we begin, or on Wednesday we began, a new sermon series that will take us through this whole Lenten season called Pictures of Jesus' Love for Us. And throughout that, we're going to key on different words or phrases that the Bible gives us to describe Jesus' love for us. And a lot of us, when we hear the word picture, one phrase comes to mind. And that's, a picture is worth a thousand words. Right? I did some quick research to see who I should contribute that quote to. And lo and behold, I couldn't find anyone. I did learn that it started out as an advertising uh, gimmick. And this is one of the first advertisements. One look is worth a thousand words. Don't buy from a catalog. Come in and see us today. And then through marketing, it got morphed into a picture is worth a thousand words. And so I, I want you to take a look at this picture of the man in the dock, that lone seagull. Ten seconds and see how many words come to mind for you. Okay? How many words? Here we go. All right, on the count of three, I want you to tell me the first word that popped into your mind, okay? Whether you're here online, I won't be able to hear you, but it's okay. What's the first word that popped into your mind? One, two, three. All right, did you, you got, got that? You got all of them. The nice thing is, the, the kind of awesome thing is, we all had words that came to mind, but they weren't all the same. They weren't all the same. As we look at this picture, we don't see it quite the same way, and the same things don't stick out to us. That's kind of like this sermon series that we're going to have. All of these things are there in the scripture and apart, and some really will connect. And some are going to say, yes, that's me. I needed that word. And others will be, yes, that's a good reminder for me. But in all of it, God speaks to us. He speaks to us and shows us his love in a variety of different ways. Today, the word that we're going to highlight is forgiveness. And we're going to do it around this verse that many of us have memorized. In just a few moments, we'll speak it all together as we look at the Lord's prayer. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Some of us might have it memorized as trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses or sins. But it's, it's a verse that connects into our lives. And I really like debts because it, it gets the point across that there's a cost. There's a cost to forgiveness. I was reminded of a story about debt recently. You see, there was two couples, Ed and Nancy. They're newly empty nesters, and he's a lawyer and doing well. And then there was... Steph and Ben, and they have a three-month-old. And 
both families live in that 70% of American households that if they miss a paycheck, they're probably going homeless because they can't make the rent or the mortgage. They were okay, but kind of not. And uh, if, if you know anything about having a baby these days, it's not cheap, right? It depends on what kind of insurance you have, but those costs pile up. And they did for Ben and Steph. And so at one of their dinners that they did on a regular basis, this became a topic of conversation. And Ben and Steph were lacking about $500 to pay the mortgage, to stay in their house. And Ed and Nancy said, okay, we can, we can cover that loan. They had some savings built up, and Ed wrote out the contract with a little bit of a percentage to, of interest, and everything was signed. They were able to keep the house. Fast forward to the new year, and Ed and Nancy are feeling very generous. They decide to forgive the debt. So at one of these dinners that they were having, they let Ben and Steph know, your, your debt is canceled. We ripped up the contract. It's been shredded. You no longer owe us anything. And there was rejoicing. There was, there was gladness that happened that evening. And then March came. And what happened in March? The world shut down, right? And in April, Ed lost his job. One paycheck away from not being able to make the mortgage. How much did that $500 matter now? Could they go back and could they say, we need that money? We know we forgave it, but we, no. Because the debt was forgiven. There was a cost. There was a cost to forgiving that debt. Well, Ed was able to find another job and they were able to keep their home. But we see in this story that there is a cost to forgiving a debt. And as we look at our lives and we look at the need for forgiveness, we see a running list like this happening in our lives and in the lives of people around us. And even more than that, last week, Pastor Carl talked about original sin. From Adam and Eve on, that none of us measure up to the perfection that God had in store for us. We all fall short. And so daily we look at our lives or, or lives around us and we can make lists like this. That, that, we make mistakes. We're not living up to whatever expectation might be there. We need something to guide us. Things go wrong. Sin keeps happening in our lives. And as we look at that list, it can be overwhelming. But here's the good news about that verse. It starts out, forgive us our debts. You see... God knew that we needed help. From the moment in the garden on, we couldn't do it on our own. We needed him. And so as I illustrate this for people, 
in conversation, I always draw a down arrow. Because he comes to us. He comes to us with his forgiveness. And that is an amazing thing. And John, as he's writing the church, he doesn't uh, put this in the very end. He kind of introduces it right away in his introduction. That we are loved and forgiven children of God. And he says it in these words. God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. You see, that's the God that we worship is caring and loving and forgiving. Forgiving of us. What that means for us is that we can look at a picture like this and we see an empty tomb. We know that in that empty tomb, God keeps his promises. That promise to forgive us. That brings a hope into our lives. A hope not just for tomorrow being Monday, but a hope for an everlasting life. Because of who Jesus is and what he has done, we can stand and say, we are forgiven. And we do that as a community. But we also do that individually. Each and every day, I hope you know that as you get up in the morning, you are forgiven. But that's not where the verse stops. That's where it starts. It starts with knowing that we are forgiven. And it goes on to say that we are forgiven in order to forgive. You see, we live in relationship with one another. And we have those lists of our own, but we also carry those lists of other people. God knows that if we carry that burden of those lists, the weight gets great. And it builds walls up around us in ways that it can be extremely hard to tear down. But here's the first step. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, our debtors, as we forgive our debtors. This forgiveness is a, a key component in our lives. And I love Peter. I love Peter because he's one of the first guys to jump into conversation and always feels like he has the right answer. Or a lot of the times, he feels like he has the right answer for Jesus. And we see that here. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter thought this was going to be a good answer. It's also an answer he could track really well. I could count that on my fingers if I've forgiven someone seven times. But Jesus comes back and says, no, no. It's not about keeping track. Seventy times seven. That's how many. Now, Jesus, I, I don't think he meant for us to get a clipboard and to hold a sin against someone and say, okay, uh, well, I forgive you, number one. I forgive you, number two. I forgive you. All the way to 490 and then to write them off. 
But where we're at, oftentimes we want it to be seven. That way we can write someone off. We can just say, that's enough. I've done my part. But no, in the example we have of Jesus forgiving us, we see that forgiveness keeps on going. It's not about a number of seven or 490. It's about forgiving time and time again. Because we've been forgiven time and time again. And here's the other thing. God knew we needed reminders about forgiving each other. Did you know that uh, medical professionals do extensive studies on the effects of forgiveness? And what they found is when we're unable to forgive the people around us, the relationships we have, our our anxiety rises, our depression increases, the tension headaches, tension in our muscles, they increase. We physically feel the effects of not being able to forgive. But when we're able to say, I forgive you from the heart and actually mean it, the most recent study from the Mayo Clinic says your heart rate, your resting heart rate decreases by five beats a minute. Blood pressure decreases. The tension headaches decrease. The the tension in your shoulders and knots decrease. It's built into us to be healthy. It's forgiving. Just like it's, it's healthy for us to know that we are forgiven because that brings hope into our lives. As we sit here today, We can see a picture like this. Please forgive me. And and people come to mind. Whether that's we need to ask for forgiveness or we need to give forgiveness. Because we're in relationship with the people around us. Things happen. Sin keeps happening. So that forgiveness is not just a one and done or seven and done kind of thing. Something that we keep offering because it keeps being offered to us each and every day. As we go through this next week and month and the Lenten season and as we reflect on what God has done for us and how he shows us his love. My hope is that each and every day you're reminded that you are forgiven. And not just that you are forgiven and that the story stops there. But that you're reminded that you are forgiven in order to go and forgive. To be Christ's hands and feet to the people around you. To live out something different. To be able to forgive from the heart because you have been forgiven. As we go, 
in this time and in this space, know you are forgiven. Amen.